listening to Sleepy Shakespeare. I'm your host, Devin, and tonight we're reading Act 5, the final act of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Act 4 was a pretty short act, so we'll get a brief recap. Basically, all is now well in Athens. There are going to be three weddings now, Theseus and Hippolyta, Demetrius and Helena, and Hermia and Lysander. So now everybody's getting married. Bottom is returned to a normal human being instead of being a donkey and he comes back to find his fellow actors and they're about to go to the wedding to put on the play which they think is going to be the best thing anyone from Athens has ever seen before. we get into Act 5, here's a brief ad from our sponsors. Act 5, Scene 1, Athens, an apartment in the palace of Theseus. Tis strange, my Theseus, that these lovers speak of. More strange than true, I never may believe these antic fables, nor these fairy toys. Lovers and madmen have such seething brains, such shaping fantasies that apprehend more than cool reason ever comprehends. The lunatic, the lover, and the poet are of imagination all compact. One sees more devils than vast hell can hold. That is, the madman, the lover, all is frantic, sees Helen's beauty in a brow of Egypt, the poet's eye in a fine frenzy rolling. Heaven doth glance from heaven to earth, from earth to heaven, and as imagination bodies forth, the form of things unknown, the poet's pen, turns them into shapes and gives to airy nothing, a local habitation and a name. Such tricks hath strong imagination, that, if it would but apprehend some joy, it comprehends some bringer of that joy, or in the night imagining some fear, how easy is a bush supposed a bear. But all the story of the night told over, and all their minds transfigured so together, more witnesseth than fancies images, and grows to something of great constancy, but howsoever strange and admirable. Here come the lovers, full of joy and mirth. Joy, gentle friends, joy and fresh days of love accompany your hearts. More than to us, wait in your royal walks, your board, your bed. Come now, what mask, what dances shall we have to wear away this long age of three hours between our after supper and bedtime? Where is our usual manager of mirth? What revels are in hand? Is there no play to ease the anguish of a torturing hour? Call Philostrity. Here, mighty Theseus. Say, 
What abridgment have you for this evening? What mask? What music? How shall we beguile the lazy time, if not with some delight? There is a brief how many sports are ripe. Make choice of which your highness will see first. The battle with the centaurs to be sung by an Athenian eunuch to the harp. Well, none of that, that I have told my love in glory of my kinsman Hercules. The riot of the tipsy bacchanals tearing the Thracian singer in their rage. That is an old device, and it was played when I from Thebes came last a conqueror. The thrice three muses mourning for the of learning, late, deceased, and beggary. That is some satire, keen and critical, not sorting with a nuptial ceremony. A tedious, brief scene of young Pyramus and his love Thisbe, very tragical mirth. Merry and tragical, tedious and brief. That is, hot ice and wondrous, strange snow. How shall we find the concord of this discord? A play there is, my lord, some ten words long, which is as brief as I have known a play, but by ten words, my lord, it is too long, which makes it tedious, for in all the play there is not one word apt, one player fitted, and tragical, my noble lord, it is, for Pyramus therein doth kill himself, which, when I saw rehearse, I must confess, made mine eyes water, but more merry tears, the passion of loud laughter never shed. What are they that do play it? Hard-handed men that work in Athens here, which never labored in their minds till now, and now have toiled their unbreathed memories with this same play against your nuptial. And we will hear it. No, my noble lord, it is not for you. I have heard it over, and it is nothing, nothing in the world, unless you can find sport in their intents, extremely stretched, and conned with cruel pain to do you service. I will hear that play, for never anything can be amiss when simpleness and duty tender it. Go, bring them in, and take your places, ladies. I love not to see wretchedness o'ercharged and duty in his service perishing. Why, gentle sweet, you shall see no such thing. He says they can do nothing in this kind. The kind are we to give them thanks for nothing. Our sport shall be to take what they mistake and what poor duty cannot do. Noble respect takes it in might, not merit. Where I have come, great clerks have purposed to greet me with premeditated welcomes. Where I have seen them shiver and look pale, make periods in the midst of sentences, throttle their practiced accent and their fears, and in conclusion, dumbly have broke off, not paying me a welcome. Trust me, sweet, out of this silence, yet I picked a welcome. And in the modesty of fearful duty, I read as much as from the rattling tongue of saucy and audacious eloquence. Love, therefore, and tongue-tied simplicity, in least speak most to my capacity. So please your grace, the prologue is addressed. Let him approach. If we offend, it is with our good will that you should think we come not to offend, but with good will, to show our simple skill that is the true beginning of our end. 
Consider then, we come but in despite. We do not come as minding to content you. Our true intent is, all for your delight, we are not here, that you should here repent you. The actors are at hand, and by their show, you shall know all that you are like to know. This fellow doth not stand upon points. He had rid his prologue like a rough colt. He knows not the stop. A good moral, my lord, it is not enough to speak, but to speak true. Indeed, he hath played on his prologue like a child on a recorder, a sound, but not in government. His speech was like a tangled chain, nothing impaired, but all disordered. Who is next? Gentles, perchance you wonder at this show, but wonder on till truth make all things plain. This man is Pyramus, if you would know. This beauteous lady, Thisbe, is certain. This man, with lime and rough cast, doth present wall, that vile wall which did these lovers sunder. And through the wall's chink, poor souls, they are content to whisper at the which let no man wonder. This man, with lantern, dog, and bush of thorn, presenteth moonshine, for, if you will know, by moonshine did these lovers think no scorn, to meet at Ninus' tomb, there, there to woo. This grisly beast, which by name lion height, the trusty Thisbe coming first by night, did scare away, or rather did affright, and as she fled, her mantle she did fall, which lion vile with bloody mouth did stain, Anon comes Pyramus, sweet youth and tall, and finds his trusty Thisbe's mantle slain, whereat with blade, with bloody blameful blade, he bravely broached his boiling bloody breast, and Thisbe, tarrying in mulberry shade, his dagger drew and died. For all the rest, let lion, moonshine, wall, and lovers twain at large discourse while here they do remain. I wonder if the lion be to speak. No wonder, my lord, one lion may when many asses do. In this same interlude it doth befall that I, one snout by name, present a wall, and such a wall as I would have you think that had it in a crannied hole or chink, through which the lovers, Pyramus and Thisbe, did whisper often very secretly. This loam, this rough cast, and this stone doth show that I am that same wall, the truth is so. And this the cranny is, right and sinister, through which the fearful lovers are to whisper. Would you desire lime and hair to speak better? It is the wittiest partition that I ever heard discourse, my lord. Pyramus draws near the wall. Silence. Oh, grim-looked knight! O night with hue so black, O night which ever art when day is not, O night, O night, alack, 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 I fear my Thisbe's promises forgot, And thou, O wall, O sweet, O lovely wall, That stands between her father's ground and mine, Thou wall, O wall, O sweet and lovely wall, Show me thy chink to blink through with mine eyne. Thanks, courteous wall, Jove shield thee well for this. But what see I? No Thisbe do I see. O wicked wall, through whom I see no bliss. Cursed be thy stones for thus deceiving me. 
This wall, methinks, being sensible, should curse again. No, in truth, sir, he should not. Deceiving me is Thisbe's cue. She is to enter now, and I am to spy her through the wall. You shall see. It will fall pat, as I told you. Yonder she comes. O oh, wall, full often hast thou heard my moans for parting my fair Pyramus and me. My cherry lips have often kissed thy stones, thy stones with lime and hair knit up in thee. I see a voice. Now will I to the chink, to spy, and I can hear my Thisbe's face. Thisbe, my love, thou art my love, I think. Think what thou wilt, I am thy lover's grace, and like Lymander am I trusty still, and like Helen till the fates me kill. Not Shaphilus to Procris was so true, as Shaphilus to Procris, I to you. Oh, kiss me through the hole of this vile wall. I kiss the wall's hole, not your lips at all. Wilt thou at Ninny's tomb meet me straight away? Tide life, tide death, I come without delay. Thus have I, wall, my part discharged so, and being done, thus wall away doth go. Now is the mural down between the two neighbors. No remedy, my lord, when walls are so willful to hear without warning. This is the silliest stuff that e'er I heard. The best in this kind are but shadows, and the worst are no worse, if imagination amend them. It must be your imagination, then, and not theirs. If we imagine no worse of them than they of themselves, they may pass for excellent men. Here come two noble beasts in, a moon and a lion. You, ladies, you whose gentle hearts do fear, the smallest monstrous mouse that creeps on the floor, may now perchance both quake and tremble here, when lion rough and wildest rage doth roar. Then know that I, one, snug the joiner, am no lion fell, nor else no lion's dam, for if I should, as a lion, come in strife into this place, twere pity on my life. A very gentle beast, and of a good conscience. The very best at a beast, my lord, that e'er I saw. This lion is a very fox for his valor. True, and a goose for his discretion. Not so, my lord, for his valor cannot carry his discretion, and the fox carries the goose. His discretion, I am sure, cannot carry his valor, for the goose carries not the fox. It is well, leave it to his discretion, and let us listen to the moon. This lantern doth the horned moon present. He should have worn the horns on his head. He has no crescent, and his horns are invisible within the circumference. This lantern doth the horned moon present. Myself, the man of the moon, do seem to be. This is the greatest error of all the rest. The man should be put into the lantern. How is it else the man and the moon? He dares not come there for the candle, for, you see, it is already in snuff. I am aweary of this moon. Would he would change? It appears by his small light of discretion that he is in the wane, but yet in courtesy and all reason we must stay the time. Proceed, moon. All that I have to say is to tell you that 
the lantern is the moon, I the man of the moon, this thorn bush, my thorn bush, and this dog, my dog. Why, all these should be in the lantern, for all these are in the moon. But silence, here comes Thisbe. This is old Ninny's tomb, where is my love? Ah. Well roared, lion. Well run, Thisbe. Well shown, moon. Truly, the moon shines with a good grace. Well moused, lion. And then came Pyramus, and so the lion vanished. Sweet moon, I thank thee for thy sunny beams. I thank thee, moon, for shining now so bright. For by thy gracious, golden, glittering streams, I trust to taste of truest Thisbe's sight. But stay, O oh spite, but mark poor knight. What dreadful dole is here? Eyes, you see? How can it be? O oh, dainty duck, O oh, dear, thy mantle good, what stained with blood? Approach, ye furies fell. O oh, fates, come, come, cut thread and thrum, quail, crush, conclude and quell. This passion and the death of a dear friend would go near to make a man look sad. Beshrew my heart, but I pity the man. Oh, wherefore, nature, didst thou lion's frame, since lion vile hath here deflowered my dear, which is, no, no, which was the fairest dame that lived, that loved, that liked, that looked with cheer. Come, tears confound, out sword and wound, the pap of Pyramus, I that left pap, where heart doth hop, thus I die. Thus, 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 now am I dead, now am I fled. My soul is in the sky, tongue, lose thy light, moon, take thy flight. Now die, 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 die. No die but an ace for him, for he is but one. Less than an ace man, for he is dead, he is nothing. With the help of a surgeon, he might yet recover and prove an ass. How chance moonshine is gone before Thisbe comes back to find her lover? She will find him by starlight. Here she comes, and her passion ends the play. Methinks she should not use the long one for such a pyramus. I hope she will be brief. A moat will turn the balance. Which pyramus, which Thisbe, is the better? He for a man. God warrant us, she for a woman, God bless us. She hath spied him already with those sweet eyes. And thus she moans, Vitalice. Asleep, my love? What, dead, my dove? O Pyramus, arise, speak, speak, quite dumb? Dead, dead? A tomb must cover thy sweet eyes. These lily lips, this cherry nose, these yellow cowslip cheeks, are gone, are gone. Lovers make moan. His eyes were green as leeks. O oh, sisters three, come, come to me. With hands as pale as milk, lay them in gore, since you have sure with shears his thread of silk. Tongue, not a word. Come, trusty sword. Come, blade, my breast and brew. And farewell, friends. Thus Thisbe ends. Adieu, adieu, adieu. Moonshine and Lion are left to bury the dead.
I am wall too. No, I assure you, the wall is down that parted their fathers. Will it please you to see the epilogue or to hear a bergamasque dance between two of our company? No epilogue, I pray you, for your play needs no excuse. Never excuse, for when the players are all dead, there need none to be blamed. Mary, if he that writ it had played Pyramus and hanged himself in Thisbe's garter, it would have been a fine tragedy. And so it is, truly, and very notably discharged. But come your bergamasque, let your epilogue alone. The iron tongue of midnight hath told twelve lovers to bed, tis almost fairy time. I fear we shall outsleep the coming morn, as much as we this night have overwatched. This palpable gross play hath well beguiled the heavy gate of night. Sweet friends, to bed. A fortnight hold we this solemnity, in nightly revels and new jollity. A little side note now, all the humans have gone to bed and the fairies are coming back in for the epilogue of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Now the hungry lion roars, and the wolf behows the moon, whilst the heavy plowman snores, all with weary task for done, now the wasted branches do glow. Whilst the screech owl, screeching loud, puts the wretch that lies in woe. In remembrance of a shroud, now it is that time of night, that the graves all gaping wide, everyone lets forth his sprite, in the churchway paths to glide, and we fairies that do run by the triple hiccups team from the presence of the sun, following darkness like a dream, now our frolic, not a mouse, shall disturb this hallowed house. I am sent with broom before to sweep the dust behind the door. Through the house give glimmering light by the dead and drowsy fire, Every elf and fairy sprite hop as light as bird from briar, and this ditty after me sing and dance it trippingly. First rehearse your song by rote, to each word a warbling note, hand in hand with fairy grace, we will sing and bless this place. Now until the break of day, through this house each fairy stray, to the best bride bed will we which by us shall blessed be, and the issue there create ever shall be fortunate. So shall all the couples three ever true and loving be, and the blots of nature's hand shall not in their issue stand. Never mole, hair lip, nor scar, nor mark prodigious such as are. Despised in nativity shall upon their children be. With this field do consecrate, Every fairy take his gate, and each several chamber bless through this place with sweet peace. Ever shall in safety rest, and the owner of it blessed. Trip away, make no stay, meet me all by break of day. This part, Puck addresses the audience, breaks the fourth wall. If we shadows have offended, Think but this, and all is mended, that you have but slumbered here while these visions did appear, and this weak and idle theme no more yielding but a dream. Gentles, do not reprehend, if your pardon we will mend, 
And, as I am an honest puck, if we have unearned luck, now to scape the serpent's tongue, we will make amends ere long. Else the puck a liar call, so good night unto you all. Give me your hands if we be friends, and Robin shall restore amends. Exit. This is the end of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Thank you for listening to the first play, A Midsummer Night's Dream, on Sleepy Shakespeare. As they say, all's well that ends well. All three couples are married. The play is performed. Everything is restored with the fairies. And Puck addresses the audience of the play at the end and says, If you didn't like the play, just pretend you were asleep and you dreamed the whole thing. We were all just shadows here. Until next week, this is Sleepy Shakespeare. Shakespeare.